卵の殻を破らねばヒナドリは生まれずに死んでいく我らがヒナだ卵は世界だ世界の殻を破らねば我らは生まれずに死んでいく世界の殻を破壊せよ Welcome back to the Shadow Play Gaze, a podcast about the 1997 anime Revolutionary Girl Utsuna.、Uh, as always, I'm your host, Derek Reining, and I am joined by my favorite mean lesbian,、uh, Christine Palin. More, most importantly, mean and pathetic. I think that's、mm-hmm. a really important layer there.、Um, Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Derek. I was, I was assuming your intro bit was going to be something along the lines of comparing me to Jury, and I'm, I'm very glad you did. So good, good, good on you.、Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. But we, ac- we actually have a third shadow player in the house tonight、um, on joining us on the stage.、Um, this is very exciting. It's our first guest.、Um, I'm very excited and, and It's going to be so fun.、Um, so, you may know her from playing in bands such as Speedy Ortiz and Malblum, and I'm sure lots of lots of other bands.、Um, or perhaps you just know her from tweeting about Mobile Suit Gundam on Twitter.、Um, please welcome to the stage, Audrey Z. Whitesides. Hi.、Um, thanks so much for having me.、Uh, yeah, I'm Audrey Z. Whitesides. I do all the things that Christine said.、Um, and I don't know. I think that was a pretty good summary of who I am. So. <laughs> I'm glad because I didn't write it down and I realized you didn't write it down. I was like, I hope you don't like say you play in a band you don't actually play in. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> so, yeah, Audrey's here to talk about、uh, the first jury episode with us. So, this is episode seven, Unfulfilled Jury. We're very excited. I've been one of my favorite episodes of the first arc of the show. So, we've been very excited for this one.、Um, Derek, do you have any notes on this episode before we get going? Um, I believe,、uh, once again, really the only, I would say, triggering content in this one is that Anthe does get、uh, slapped by jury at one point. But I mean,、um, that's more of, I guess, just a general physical、uh, violence warning. It's not like they're in a relationship or anything.、Um, but other than that, I would say this episode is just, I guess, maybe、um, very intense if you have ever been gay and in love. <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>、um, that's going to be a theme of every jury episode. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, <laughs> before we get into the actual meat of the episode, I did really want to draw attention to the credits on this one again, because the individual who did the storyboards on this one was Mamoru Hosoda.、Um, and A, yeah, did, did、mm-hmm. a bunch of the episodes. I, I looked at like, all the sh- episodes he did for Uchinet. They're like, all of like, the most beautiful episodes of the show. So, I'm so excited to track his work. Um, he also worked under a pseudonym, another one of the people who worked on a pseudonym, started off in Sailor Moon,、uh, but then went on to make the 2018 movie Mirai, and his new film Belle is at Cannes like, right now, the Cannes film poster like, as we speak. And he also co directed、yeah. the 2000 Digimon movie. And I wrote,、mm-hmm. I think Derek likes Digimon. Absolutely.、Mm-hmm. He did.、Um, if, I'm sure people are familiar with the Digimon movie, like the version we got over here.、Um, he did our war game, I believe、mm-hmm. is what it's called, over in Japan.、Yes. Excellent, excellent movie. He did Summer Wars, which is just the Digimon、mm-hmm. movie again, but it's also amazing. He did,、uh, is it The Boy and the Beast? He did、mm-hmm. The Girl Who Left Her Time. He did so、mm-hmm. many amazing movies. Love, love, love,、yeah. Murray Hosoda King.、Uh, Wolf Children is the other big one.、Mm-hmm. I love that each movie he's just becoming more and more furry. Like,、uh-huh. it's just like he's letting it out.、Um, We live. We love a king. Wow,、well, I'm glad y'all know who that is because I, I noticed the name, but I didn't、uh-huh. only like, saw the few credits. Yeah, the new one is like a、um, Beauty and the Beast retelling.、It's, it looks interesting. Cool. Sounds about right. Yeah, so <laughs> another、uh, cool 
person who worked on Utena. Um, this one was directed by Yuki Okazaki, who is the guy I mentioned last week who worked on Darkwing Duck, uh, another very accomplished animator. Um, and then this one was written by Yoshi Kiddo, again, who wrote most of the first uh, arc episodes. So yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this. So we open on the flashback of like young jury. Uh, I believe it's like the first line is like, you just have to give up because there's no such thing as miracles. And then we mm-hmm. see a jur- jury fencing a bunch of people in the row, I think is how the episode starts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Um, well, um, Audrey, first of all, are you like us a jury stand? Because I believe I, Christine yeah. and I are on record saying she's our favorite. Yeah, I so um, Christine had like contacted me at some point was like oh like you have an open invitation to come on the show and at first I was like I want to talk about the egg episode (laughs) Um, (laughs) and we'll get there (laughs) oh baby and I was like oh but maybe I want to talk about jury because um yes like I haven't watched a show in a decade but in in my head she is she I definitely remembered her as best girl um which you know um (laughs) is a cool way to think about people but also <laughs> like we know what you mean we're yeah, kind of yeah 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 it as the um yeah queer people we get to use mm-hmm. that word in a yes. good way <laughs> yes exactly um so yeah i am i am a big fan of jury um i think it, she's interesting because she is kind of like this I don't want to say stock character, but like kind of a character that you've seen in anime or just media in general of like a queer character whose desire is unspeakable um, and who like, unlike the other queerness that shows up in this show, um, is something that is like, feels very fraught um like very uh like something that has been lived with for a long time um and like struggled with for a long time and i think that it's really interesting to have this show that does have like a lot of like liberatory um views of queerness to also have this character who like we see a lot and who usually doesn't get to participate in that um but I think it's really cool to have her show up here as like a contrast or not a contrast, but like as um, like a different version of queerness. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very. I feel like this is maybe like not a trope we see as much anymore mm. in anime. It's like kind of an old school sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. Um, something i love like I, mm-hmm. i'm always saying you know i love <laughs> like old like subtext come on like it's mm-hmm. it's cute it's good that we have like fully out you know like gay characters but i miss i miss the like hints and the subtext mm-hmm. stuff of it um but that's just me because i'm gay and i love dramatics and yes what's more dramatic we than love, subtext we love pining um we love yearning oh we love <laughs> yearning so much of that Absolutely. What I love is speaking in like broad strokes about this episode. What I really love about the way they it's all framed because there is supposed to be the reveal at the end is that you know mm-hmm. she's in love with the girl and like that mm-hmm. is supposed to kind of like surprise you, but like they yeah. don't it doesn't ever try to trick you mm-hmm. in the way it like frames the shots and the way the shots are framed. It's pretty clear it's always like about the girl, but I yeah. like that it's kind of playing your expectations like against you. Mm-hmm. Um, where like I like again we have to consider this like came out in 1997. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a, a, like modern, like people watching the show for the first time now might be more like ready to see that because they might just ex- we just see it more stated mm-hmm. explicitly. 
And like, I love that it does, it doesn't trick you with the way the framing is done in this episode, but it does kind of like, if you aren't expecting it, it kind of maybe lets you, leads you down the wrong path. And then when you realize yeah. you're like, why didn't I realize that? Of course, because you go back and it like fades to the girl's face when she said, mm-hmm. I was in love once. Um, mm-hmm. So it, this episode doesn't feel cheap in the way like her like eventual queerness is like, ex- like explicitly stated. Mm-hmm. It plays with your expectations without like, again, lying to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's not played as like, um, for sure. Sh- I mean, it is kind of like a surprise, but it's not a shock value sort of mm-hmm. moment of like, <gasps> what? A lesbian? No, it can't be. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, she like is in love with this girl in this locket. Mm-hmm. And it's um, an intriguing cliffhanger, I will say. Um, and yeah, I love Jerry, but I guess to like go back to the top of the episode. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm glad we, we like wax poetic about Jerry as a whole uh-huh. though, because she is a really interesting presence in the show. But yeah, mm-hmm. we have to go back mm-hmm. to the fencing, <laughs> the fencing hall where we're seeing Jerry like fence a bunch of people at mm-hmm. once. And she, Mickey's like, oh yeah, no one can beat you. And then she has this dramatic moment where she's like, and like, what do I have to show for it? Well, I smashed the world's shell. And that's when we see the locket for the first time. Yeah. And it's, of course, yeah, I have lots of thoughts on the locket. And I'll save my many, many thoughts on the locket towards mm-hmm. as we get further in the episode. But immediately it does kind of look like egg-shaped or like, like and it's got like a hard shell. Um, mm-hmm. And the, that line of like smashing the world's shell, like as we see it for the first time, feels deliberate. And that like, this is something like holding Jerry back. Something that's like, yeah, that she's trying to fulfill herself through other things um, because she feels trapped by this thing, like literally hanging around her neck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's very interesting to um, compared to like the other student council members. Like I feel like we don't see them when they're outside of that space. We don't see them talking about revolution or mm-hmm. like um, that kind of like, mode of speech as much like but she's someone who like seems to like actually like believe and like wants this revolution um whereas like you know like Sionji was kind of like controlling and like wanted Anthe's power but also just wanted to possess Anthe um Miki had kind of like his misguided like wanting to help Anthe and like didn't seem to care much about like this revolutionary aspect but for Jury like right from the start I think it's interesting that we get like she has more of like an ideology I guess or like a like you know yeah yeah I I noted that too and at first I thought my first thought was when she said I kind of took it at face value as Mm. like oh she does want like this like supposed idea of the revolution of the world but Mm -hmm. I think as the episode goes on you realize she is really no different from the everyone else we've seen Mm -hmm. where she's like to her, this like had still is like a very personal sort of um, mm. thing that she wants. Even though at first she seems to like have convinced herself that she is interested in this like sort of nebulous idea of the revolution of the world. But it's, it, at the end of the day, she's no different than anyone else. She also just wants this person to love her, um, mm-hmm. and it seems to be through. She seems to think that it'll happen through these duels, um, and we see her like she doesn't ever really say it, but it's like visually we keep getting these sort of intercuts between um, Anthe and uh, I don't think we have a name for the girl yet. No. Okay. Mm. So we are, I believe she, we've heard, we hear juries use the words of the Rose Bride, but we see the girl. Um, mm-hmm. So clearly like she's sort of associating Anthe with this uh, other person that she has feelings for. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. this is one of those uh, those episodes that like only really like fully makes sense if you understand that like not only is she like pro- jury projecting like this girl onto Anthe, she's also like seeing Utena as a reflection of herself, mm-hmm. and so she's doing just like you know she's like what Mickey was doing a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, just like with a few extra steps. Like also, <laughs> I think what's really interesting like is that like. She says she wants a revolution of the world in the scene, but then when like she duels Utina, she duels Utina to like prove a point. Like it has mm-hmm. nothing. To, like Anthe doesn't didn't have to be there like, yeah. for that duel to like mean <laughs> something. And so it is interesting that Jerry privately says, you know, like, will I crack the world shell? You know, all like mm-hmm. th- that thing. But like, what actually drives her to duel like isn't that. And mm-hmm. it's it's just yeah interesting that that in that private moment she is kind of repeating saying the line of the student council. Yeah. So it does mean something to her. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it, it just like the um, the fact that, yeah, like we, we see way more of that than like, she doesn't really seem to have, I mean, I guess she does have some strong feelings about Anthe at one point in this episode. But in general, yeah, like it, it is much less centered on like Anthe as like a um, object of desire or object to be controlled than we've seen so far, which is definitely interesting. Yeah, so we then we, uh, after we had get that little moment where we see the locket for the first time, uh-huh. uh, we then cut to uh, jury meeting with the vice principal. Um, and this is where we learned the student council does stuff. <laughs> like they like help the school. This is like, they, like the only time the student council is ever giving ever going to give credit for anything helpful. <laughs> uh, this is a fun reveal that they like actually do serve a function in the school. Um, and it's this scene with her and the vice principal is really interesting to me because it's not commented upon later in the episode, but like this like adult like teacher vice principal like asks her to lunch and mm-hmm. she's like supposed to be like 15 or 16. Like and it's like a weird like I the first time I watched this, I didn't really re- like realize what it was going what, what had happened because it's like played so quickly and like she shuts mm-hmm. she ultimately shuts him down. But we do have like this scene where we have jury's interaction with the vice principal and then it's like literally like mirrored across the courtyard with mm-hmm. Utena and the uh guidance counselor. So we have these two like mirrored interactions with authority between mm-hmm. jury and Utena. Yes. And I love, love the framing of that. Really, really like just a really interesting way to like have this play out. We could have just been cutting between them. Um but it's like we're just like kind of up in this like sort of weird angle looking down at them um <laughs> i also do love that we get like every anime i think has like um goofy silly time music um and of course we get that when we get this amazing choo-choo scene where he's just being chased around um always got to get some choo-choo going on <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah like you said i love that we like are tracking these two and then eventually Utena does like come over into Jury's frame. Um, there's like the frame we did in this episode is really excellent. I don't want to get too ahead of mm-hmm. ourselves, but we could talk about uh, when we get to the big sort of uh, climax of the episode, or at least the moment when Jury decides to duel Utena uh, has some really amazing framing, framing going on there. Yeah, this episode really in a beautiful way bonks you over the head with Utna and Jury are mirror images of each other. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and I love it. That's why I love this episode so much because it's just so meticulously framed. And from that very beginning, with like, here they are literally looking at each other across a courtyard. Like this, you could cut the 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 scene down the middle, and it's mm-hmm. like perfect uh, halves of the picture. 
Yeah, this this part's also very interesting because like when we're seeing the two of them, we see these kind of like very different relationships they have with like authority and hierarchy. Um, where Jury, like, you know, I think we can tell by the end of that conversation, she's not like enjoying that conversation. Like she doesn't <laughs> like the vice principal, but like she's very disciplined and like gets praised by him and like knows how to play that system, knows how to play that game. While Utena is just getting like chewed out <laughs> about this, uh, she's just monkey. insolent. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah. So this is actually great. I'm glad you brought that up. That idea of like kind of like jury, kind of knowing the rules of the game more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ref- like I wanted to bring up again something I read in the Utena dossier provided to us by our listener Nagamo. Um, and there's a quick note in there. This is for the perfect time to shout out. Uh, Jury's amazing voice actress, uh, Katona Mitsuishi, who is a legend. She voiced Misato in Evangelion. She voiced mm-hmm. Sailor Moon in Sailor Moon. I watched, uh, uh, I've seen her in a bunch of stuff. She's always fantastic and she's so good here. And it's a note in that uh, Utena dossier about like the direction she was given for this particular scene. And Ikahara, uh, the, 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 describing the scene, and he, I guess he told her t- that there's like, Jury's supposed to be envious of Utena mm-hmm. in this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does it doesn't say exactly what like that envy is, but I think it for me I've kind of read that um as like she's envious of like Utina's naivete. Like she mm-hmm. kind of part of her cause like the like problem she ends up having with Utina is that she still believes in a prince, which you could say is like believing in a miracle. And mm-hmm. jury, there's a part of jury that wishes like that does want to believe in miracles, and there's a part of jury who sees that as naive and silly. And mm-hmm. so I think she is like jealous of the fact that Utina can kind of still believe these things harmlessly and like walk around the world the way she does and not feel the need to play the game um yeah that's kind of what I get personally from that scene yeah well and there's this really interesting moment when like Jerry kind of like does a fun little um you know like makes the vice principal think that the guidance counselor who's chastising Utina wants to meet so then the vice principal, or so the guidance counselor is like distracted, um, and then Utena and Jury have a conversation. But like Utena doesn't know that Jury orchestrated that. And when the guidance counselor leaves her alone, she says, Oh, that's like a miracle, or like that must be a miracle. And like it's so interesting that like we see Utena just like believes that about things in daily life too. <laughs> um, I didn't, I, yeah, I did not think about that. How the, yeah, like jury uh-huh. orchestrated that, but Utena didn't see it. Right. Like jury's playing the system, jury's like playing the game and like putting, like, she's like, okay, I'm going to like manipulate these two to like leave us alone so we can talk. And Utena's just like, wow, that's so cool. Like, oh, I thought I was in trouble and now I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, and I also, like, love that um, even though Utena, like, Jerry has more control in this situation, obviously, mm. but Utena, like, still, like, as we've seen before, she can get out of these situations in her own way. I think mm. that might also play into Jerry's envy in the sense that Utena, like, even though she doesn't know the rules, she doesn't play the game, she still manages to get off, like, scot-free in a lot of these situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that just, like, compounds the frustration for Jerry because... She's not playing it right, but she still mm-hmm. is getting. She still manages to walk around in her boy uniform. She still gets to have the rose bride, um, mm-hmm. and so I'm sure that's just even that makes that direction from Ikuhara make even more sense to me. Yeah, and because in the previous episodes when we have heard from Jury and the student council meetings before we even knew her name, she's always like wanting to know, like like 
wanting to know more about Usna specifically and like how mm -hmm. could she duel without like knowing all these things without being mm -hmm. on the student council. And so that's what she's because she kind of like pushes Utena on those questions here. Like, you mm -hmm. know, like Utena, she asked her about sword fighting and she's like, I'm not really good at it. Like, I'm, I like to dunk basketballs. <laughs> like, Utena doesn't even know what the Rose Bride is. Like, again, mm -hmm. like she's completely naive to all this. Uh, mm -hmm. And I just, again, once this is the first time Utena and Jerry are meeting face to face, like actually, like, Jury has known her name and her face for a while now, but Utena again, in, like after she meets Jury, she starts immediately like rattling off everything everyone says about Jury. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this where Utena uses the line like hidden face, like people say if they'd seen your hidden face, they would like run, you know, run away. Um, and that just made me think again what Derek brought up in the Mickey episodes a couple episodes ago about fencing and the fact that you wear a mask. Yeah. Um, and made me think that what because like Utina thinks jury in the the school thinks jury's hidden face is scarier than her like face that she presents but we see by the end of the episode the she presents this like scary face um and her hidden face is actually like really pathetic and sad and um yeah I just thought it was in interesting that we get this like Utina says the words hidden face because I feel like that's mm -hmm. very on the nose um with jury's character yeah absolutely and i think yeah like i i think the parallel or the like idea i was bringing up uh was like this idea of the infant scene they're completely covered up but in the duels they are like color-coded they have these bright gigantic symbols of themselves just out on their chest literally wearing their hearts on their sleeves in those duels um and so i think it's interesting like jury i think is like maybe the most like uh emblematic of that but i think that's maybe true of all of these characters that we've interacted with so far is that they project these sort of like giant sort of like imposing figures as these student council members and yet we are learning that they are like they like maybe have more weaknesses than even like our main character like utana mm -hmm. and auntie seem to like they seem even more fragile uh talk about cracking a shell honestly um mm -hmm. with these guys um, this show is so good. <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah, let me, as the first time I, I've been on this show, let me just be on the record. I think the show's good. Oh, okay, yes. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I was just texting I'll Derek. I was like, I don't know, like, you know, like. The vibes, <laughs> I don't know. The vibes, you know. Just... <laughs> I, yeah, he doesn't seem into this. Um, <laughs> um, and so yeah. when we get like jury explaining like the rules of the Rose Bride and the duels and stuff, this is the first time we see Utina stretch, um, which is mm -hmm. kind of like emblematic of her character um, of like stretching whenever like, like often with something like important is happening. Um, I don't know. Like it's just when she, she starts stretching, like when jury like actually asks her, like, what will you do with the power of like mm -hmm. to whatever the revolutionize the world and shit and like that's when utina stretches so like mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it's like she's like just thinking about it for the first time and like kind of doesn't know what to say because she makes a joke about uh studying for finals or whatever mm -hmm. yeah i think yeah. it's uh, uh, my interpretation of that i think is just that like that's kind of like a, a reminder that utina is like not taking this very seriously like she's still mm -hmm. she's still our himbo jock lesbian Mm -hmm. who's like she's just uh, is like ready raring to go to just like run i don't know not pull a hammy while trying to think maybe that's the problem she she knows if she right. thinks too hard she might pull a muscle so she needs to you know <laughs> stay limber sure <laughs> and we um, love her for that 
Yeah, and I think also like you know like jur- juries um like body language in this scene is like much more like composed. Um, like she she tends to like be very like deliberate in her motions and just seeing like Utena kind of like move around freely um, and like without care. Um, just like she she feels like more. Mm, I don't want to say like she's like less self-conscious about her body and how she like comes off to the other people around her. Um, whereas jury is like much more like, you know, like poised. Um, yeah. Once she to, takes like, up less space than Uta is willing mm-hmm. to literally just like fully mm-hmm. extend her body out everywhere. While, um, I mean, statues are a pretty big, uh, visual like icon later in the episode, like mm-hmm. literally statuesque standing there perfectly poised at any given moment. That's our jury. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I want to I want to quickly make note of because I think it comes up later um, is that when Utena is talking about like oh if anyone saw your hidden face Jury's response is like oh that makes me sound like a wild animal um, and that'll be very interesting when we get to the shadow play part <laughs> I have so many thoughts on yeah the, the statue and then the shadow play part oh, oh I'm so excited okay so <laughs> um, so then uh Utena gets like called back like the student guidance counselor like calls her on the, like the intercom it's very jarring to hear the intercom on this show it's like I think this is like the only time we ever hear it and it's like feels very out of place um but so Utena's like all right got a motor um but she like th- like bows to jury and says you know I'm glad there's someone on the student council who also understands that it's kind of silly to possess the rose bride and then poor Anthe like shows up and um, offers Jury an orange flower, and then Jury slaps her. I think this is, like, the most shocking slap mm-hmm. yeah. that we've seen so far. Um, I remember being really caught off guard when it happened the first time I watched, especially because, like, I did definitely struggle with this episode a little bit the first time I watched. I was like, okay, cool, I love it. But I, I didn't understand, like, why Jury slapped Anthe and, like, why Jury is so, like, cruel to Utena later in the episode. But when you watch it, you realize you, she's projecting this girl onto Anthe yes. and herself onto Utena. It doesn't justify any of it, but it <laughs> explains why she would slap Anthe because she's she's literally like acting out the part of the girl who broke her heart when she mm-hmm. offers her that flower. Yeah. Um, I, I did in my notes, I wrote jury canceled question mark. <laughs> um, so we'll see. But um. It's interesting because, yeah, it, it's also, like, the thing that triggers it also almost more than, like, Anthe specifically is, like, this girl getting close to her and, like, this kind of, like, intimate moment and, like, she recoils. Um, and, again, like you said, there definitely is the stuff with, like, the parallels between um, her and Utena and Anthe and the other girl. And, but also, like, I wonder if this would happen if, like, any girl got close to her, you know? Um, no, that's fair, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not just, like, it's not, um, like, when we see Anthe getting slapped before, it's for some, like, very specific reason that has to do with Anthe specifically. I would say, mm-hmm. like, we've seen the bullies hit her, we've seen Sionji hit her, um, but it's, this feels different. I think that's what makes it so shocking, mm-hmm. is that it just feels like an actual, like, lashing out mm-hmm. by someone, and it's not, like, a calculated, like, move to control Anthe in any way it's just a yeah. back the hell like wild animal almost to use mm-hmm. jury's vernacular yeah. in that moment yeah like a yeah like a snake the, strike or, or a cornered animal or something the shell breaks for a second yeah 
Mm-hmm. Speaking of the shell, uh, <laughs> we go to the student council uh, meeting, and this this one is a funny one. I think this is the funniest <laughs> one so far because we get this first. We see this like funny chart of the duels, and I've seen parts of this translated. And I know at okay. one point, like next to like it's like for Utna, it's like somewhat one of the like notes is who the heck is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> so there's this funny chart of the duels with like little notes about each of the duels, mm-hmm. um, and I think it like it says like on the chart like like what i don't know if it was like what the person was dueling for like i don't know there's like funny notes so maybe we can find it and put it on twitter um mm-hmm. anyway uh so then toga again last episode we saw that uh or two episodes ago with mickey we saw that toga like kind of had a hunch about mickey and his sister because he knew like conveniently to go be a creep to his sister to get him to duel and here again toga seems to know things about jury that mickey doesn't know because he's basically mm-hmm. like oh, you know mickey doesn't know why jury would duel and uh toka knows exactly why and he's mm-hmm. able to kind of like press her on it without saying it and mickey has no clue what he's saying but jerry mm-hmm. knows exactly what he's getting at so again this another instance of toga like knowing something other student yeah. council members don't yeah uh, also interesting because toga misreads utena so bad in um the episode with the ball mm-hmm. um so it's very interesting that like she's the one he like doesn't have the knowledge on he like he she's like an unknown factor to him but the the other people he does like have this um this hidden knowledge um yeah right which i mean probably plays into why he is so intrigued by her i would say or Mm -hmm. wants to control it i'm sure he just like wants to because he's so used to literally like you said knowing everything Mm -hmm. about everyone that Mm -hmm. utina being this variable is just like not acceptable to him Mm -hmm. Uh, but i do love that the these amazing throwing knives. This has always been one of my favorite visuals of the show. Um, I think it like it speaks to kind of how the conversation is going. Like we said, like Toga's in 100% complete control mm-hmm. here, and Mickey's just seems like doesn't even seem to notice the knives at all. Like doesn't really react to them. Um, and so I think that's just like a perfect encapsulation. Um, in addition to just being really hilarious and like weird. Um, and I love, I love, love, love that shot of Jerry like just reclining in her chair while this is all going on. Mm-hmm. Just completely unbothered. Love her. <laughs> yeah, I also made a note of, because we had in the Mickey episode, it's, um, when Mickey, like, quotes Utena's line about how the duels are unjust, um, and, like, you know, you don't want to deprive someone of their freedom. Here we get uh, Jury riffing on Utena's line about using the power to revolutionize the world for finals. Yes. I thought it was interesting. We even know, like this it, one is was less obvious, but she kind of steals Utina's joke. <laughs> it's so okay. This I actually have a lot of um, yes, a lot of thoughts about because like so much of this show is theatrical, like in the sense of like um, like obviously there's literal shadow play theater going on, um, but also there is a sense a lot of times of like people are playing parts. Um, like and performing parts for other people um so it's interesting that like utina seems to be like coming on and not taking like an authorial role but like a role that is shifting the parts for other people already um like other people are like learning lines from her instead of like kind of the scripts that they've memorized so far they're like encountering her and then it's like oh like I'm not just going to say like my own lines anymore. I'm going to use Utena's lines as well. It's it's so interesting that that's starting to like creep in. 
yeah, like it's, it's she's literally changing everything about this system mm-hmm. completely unconsciously, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uncalculated. And but I mean that also makes you think like, are they intentionally doing that, or is it just yeah. like some sort of like they don't even notice it happening that she's already yeah. shifting the way they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Like one, yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's uh, the like questions about i mean we'll get to this a lot when the duel happens but the questions about like who is in control and like how much like consciousness do people or like self-consciousness do people have about like their performance and their identity and stuff like that is it's really interesting in this episode like in it comes up there um and it comes up a lot in the duel, so maybe I won't say too much more about it. Here, but. <laughs> we love to jump around. We love to have many thoughts. Um, and so this, as this uh, scene wraps up with uh, with Toga, he does kind of ask her, follow up by asking her, like, you know, like, do you really want to disprove the power of miracles? Like, is that really what you want to do? Because that's what Jury's saying she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this episode makes it pretty clear that there's a part of her that doesn't want, to, that wants miracles to be true. And we, this is mm-hmm. where we get the flashback uh, to Jury's past. Like, as she's saying, yes, I was in love. It fades to the girl's face and not the yeah. boy's face. Um, again, just a visual cue that, like, kind of, if you're paying attention, you would pick, you might pick up on these things. And, um, then we like see jury fencing the boy. They both take off their masks. And when he takes off his mask, he's framed in the white roses, um, which is, again, we associate white roses with the prince, he, with the prince in Utenit's like flashback, but also Toga got them sometimes. Um, and I kind of like that because when you get the final conclusion of the episode, like it's like this guy is like in another version of the story, he's the prince. Like he's the, mm-hmm. like he would be the like center of this story. Um, but I love that in the end, he just ends up being this like intermediary thing that really doesn't like Jerry literally like it's doesn't care about him as a person. Um, and it kind of, I just think framing him with the white uh, roses is interesting mm-hmm. to kind of it maybe prime you to see him as this princely figure. Again, if you're paying mm-hmm. close enough attention to the colors of the show, I don't know if everyone pick up on that, but it's interesting <laughs> if you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, one is good. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, especially, like, because when the girl is introduced, like, she gets the same colored roses as Jury. Um, She gets the, like, kind of, like, peach, gold, whatever her color. I'm not I'm Orangey. not sure. Yeah, orangish. Um, like, so it's interesting because, like you said, like, he's set up to be the prince, but, like, she's set up connected to Jury more. Um, and... I feel like for me, that's, you know, I'm definitely like gay, 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 like they got <laughs> gay. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's like, I don't think we've really seen characters share colors mm-hmm. in that sense. So it's like, it's uh, immediate, uh, immediately obvious that Jury's identity is very wrapped up in whoever this girl is. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the girl is the one seen like handing the rose to her a lot. So she clearly has some sort of control over that identity. Like she doesn't, she seems to, whoever this girl is, seems to understand that um, she is very important to Jury in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, a, but it also like, obviously it's a very clear sort of parallel to Anthe, Um The way Anthe sort of hands the roses to the people, to the duelists. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's good. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and this is where we get like two, two, like what actually my one favorite 
one of my favorite shots from the show, which is when we get the the like two of them with the red string of fate going through jury. And then um, we do see the image, though, of the the two kissing over jury's head and the girl is covering her eyes with her hands. It's one of my favorite like frames from the show. It's just, again, like meticulously staged. Like they pro- this probably didn't actually happen um, like physically, but that's what it felt like to jury. And I love that, that that is like illustrated. Absolutely. It's a, yeah, it's like a, gr- a great little tableau of like the relationship going on there. Um, I like to go back to the very first shot of the, of the mm-hmm. episode, we like fade into the episode as if like our eyes are opening. Um, and then it sort of fades out as like Jerry's eyes are being closed. And uh, there's like we said throughout this episode, there's this emphasis on the mask. Um, and usually masks we think of as obscuring other people's views of you. But in this case, this mask is obscuring Jerry's view of like the entire world around her, um, which is an it's yeah. an interesting sort of like reversal of how we think about masks. Yeah, the other cool thing, I think, like, obviously, Christine, like you just said, um, it seems like this probably is something that not did not actually happen. Um, but going back to, again, that first shot, um, like, it's interesting because, like, before we hear Jury say anything about, like, miracles not existing, we have this girl's hands covering her eyes. And then that girl says that in Jury's head, which probably also did not happen. Um so it's, I mean, unless that girl is just very weird and like covers people's <laughs> eyes and say miracles are fake, idiot. Hopefully, um, <laughs> it's not who she is. I don't know, but it's interesting because it does kind of like in a lot of like these times when jury is is thinking about this girl, we have to I think be like, how much of this is literally what happened, and how much of this is the ideal that jury has created in her mind, and like the narrative that jury has crafted. Yeah, because it's like Mickey in the Sunlight Garden. We mm-hmm. we learned that the, the garden was not as as sunlit as he remembered it being. His sister couldn't play piano. Um, and so, yeah, we're already kind of primed to wonder, you know, did this play out exactly how Jerry remembers it? And again, it's the, the red string of fate. Like, it's all, again, very beautifully constructed. Yeah. Like, there was not literally a red string between them, but that's what it felt like. And that's how, in Jerry's mind's eye, that's what she, those are the images she's held on to of this thing that happened, you know, I think like two or three years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, not just visually though. Um, I think like, obviously the music in the show is fantastic, but like not just the music, but the sound design. Like, I think this show more than like, I'm noticing this a lot in this rewatch. They really, really do a fantastic job of, um, I don't know what you would call, I would like call it like a hard cut if we were talking about like visually what goes on, but it's just like the music just stops mm. instantly as soon as the mood shifts. And that's what happens here. When Jury, uh, she takes this shower, she puts on the locket, and then um, I believe we hear her voice. I, it's like it's her talking to this girl, presumably. Um, and then she just like completely just like uh, knocks over this this almost like little shrine to this person. Um, and just the music completely cuts out, and she just is like standing there, like kind of hunched over. We don't see her face at all. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really good sound design there, I think. Yeah, this is the second of three times this episode where Jury stops the music. The first is when, uh, with the Spice Principal, when she, like, says, I won't be repeating myself. She mm-hmm. says that, and the music stops. Here, when she pushes everything off the desk um, while she's reading the letter, um, and, like, I guess responding to the letter in her head, <laughs> um, <laughs> she pushes it off, the music stops, and the third time happens 
um, when she uh, is in by the fountain with Utena and like we can get to the weird like fake out kiss thing the, and then like and then grabs her wrist and the music stops and changes. So it's I think it's cool that Jury's like anger or like this like hidden rage is like what like stops change what like literally can change the environment of the show mm-hmm. um, and change the music. Absolutely, yeah. She can like she has control over the needle apparently. Um, <laughs> she has the ox court. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I want to see a version where she's like, um, I, I, there's like a TikTok about that's just like your gay friend when they play the worst music you've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I want to see Jury just like put on 100 gecks. Uh, she, <laughs> she has oh, this control. Yeah, who in <laughs> now I'm like who on Utena listens to Gex um the most? Do we think it's Jury? I don't know. No, it's not. I feel like it's gotta be Nanami. She's like the most yeah. Gen Z of the group. Yeah. She yeah. absolutely. She is a zoomer. She, she is like, a zoomer. Yeah, she's a zoomer. She would be a shit poster, um, like for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Bob, we're answering the, the really important questions. <laughs> um, so then let's get. We've all been excited about this scene with in the with the yeah. statues. So we cut first before we get to that. I want to just like let's just linger on like. So, like, Utena is, like, walking choo-choo. Like, mm-hmm. he's crying. And she's, like, I said, she's taking him on a walk to help him fall asleep. Like, you do, like, when you drive a baby around in a car. <laughs> like, that's the setup for this scene. I think it's just very funny that it's, like, seemingly she's trying to get you choo-choo to fall asleep by, like, walking him around campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really I love good. It. That's a great premise for any scene, honestly. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, this is where we see uh, Jury in her like soft nightgown. Um, she is wearing the locket under it, um, but you know it's more exposed. You can actually see the chain and kind of like make it out, make out that there she's wearing something. Um, but she's wearing her nightgown by this like reflecting pool, um, and you see all these statues. And again, we're seeing, seeing more water imagery, which is something kind of we've been tracking. Um, and we see the reflections of statues in the fountain, and like we we like pan over the the or like the water and the like then we see a reflection of jury um you kind of brought up the comparison comparing jury to a statue earlier and it very much does that here mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and this is that scene i was talking about before about the framing here um where at first it seems like utina and jury are like pretty far apart sitting very far apart um and it's only when i think when I don't know if the characters, I, I mean, Utena probably for sure does not <laughs> catch on that, like, she and Jury have a lot in common. But I think maybe Jury does in this moment. And in that moment when Jury realizes that she and Utena have, like, this sort of connection here, um, suddenly we, like, cut, it's, we get the shot of both of them sitting there. And they're actually, like, not that far apart. Like, maybe one person could sit between them and that's about it. Um, I just love that sort of framing to show us that, like, maybe on some level, jury notices this connection here and maybe that's kind of like what sets her off yeah um speaking of like utana not recognizing the connection the scene also interest interestingly opens with utana literally not recognizing jury mm-hmm. um because jury is like wearing this gown instead of her like usual uniform um and also her hair is usually like curled in ringlets all the way and here the front of her hair is still like that, but the rest of it is kind of just like down and loose. Um, and Utena doesn't recognize her. So it's interesting that like our first 
scenes of of jury are um again this like blurred reflection in the water and then utana like not recognizing her um but also it like echoes when utana was in the dress at the dance um and people were all like so shocked to see her that way um so it's interesting that utana also seems to like both for herself and jury like associate both of their presentations so much with their identity and when when jury kind of doesn't have that shared more androgynous presentation it's like oh you are a stranger to me right and it's like you said though like Utena has been through the exact same thing Mm -hmm. but she doesn't have the like wherewithal to like look beyond that she's Mm -hmm. just as tricked by it as like the other people were when she was in a ball gown Mm -hmm. um you would think like someone who's been through that situation would like not have that happen like would be Mm -hmm. able to like still recognize someone so it's funny or very very in character for Utena to like not really get that Mm -hmm. uh, because that's our girl yeah and I think it's worth noting that um so in the shot like when they're still kind of further apart um again it's we have another kind of like mirrored thing where you have something right in the middle and then them on either side um and it's it's a statue and I've seen it I tried to like people have like tried to figure out what these the specific statues are referencing um and there's some obviously it's just a lion um but no one knows for sure but I'm I think it is believable to me. Uh, people think the statue between them is Castor and Pollux, uh, mm. the twins. Mm-hmm. Um, so we won't know for sure, like unless mm-hmm. we can find the exact mm-hmm. refuse, reference statue that was used. But I think it would make sense. There's a lot of references to yeah. Greek mythology in the show and in this particular du- dual song. Yeah. Um, but I still like, and I think it would play into the idea of them being kind of mirrors for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it's also literally cutting down the middle of the shot. And them, yeah. and the two halves of them on either side. So if you think about them as kind of like weird twins, <laughs> um, it's interesting that juries, again, juries able to see how similar they are, but like Utina, you know, isn't picking up on um, that to the same degree as jury. Yeah. Also, sometimes in myths, uh, Castor and Pollux are were born from an egg. So I don't ooh, know. yeah, interesting. <laughs> uh, Again, okay, we don't know we've... if that means anything, but uh, I'm glad we have someone who knows more about <laughs> the things I bring up because I always, like <laughs> I haven't studied Greek mythology since like seventh grade, so I'm always going off of like a very um old understanding. I I actually was studying Greek mythology in college at the same time that I watched this show, so maybe there's some like weird associations in my brain. <laughs> oh, I go. love it. And so, uh-huh. our Castor and Pollux are those the Gemini twins, like yeah. in the constellation. Yeah. So that's another yeah. thing to think about is. Um, well, we said there's also a lion, so Leo, like, maybe there's some sort of, like, obviously, in, like, the songs, we get these sort of references to astrology, mm-hmm. um, but I think, like, Gemini is, is almost, like, do we have official signs for the characters? Yes, My we God. do. Oh, I need to know. So bad. Yeah, so I know we'll, Jury's a Sagittarius and Utena's a Capricorn. Okay. I'm a Sagittarius, what's up? <laughs> Jury, oh. best girl. <laughs> Confirmed. Um that's interesting though that that's like i mean but i mean like if we think about gemini though like the the qualities we associate with gemini even if like neither of these characters are a gemini uh mm-hmm. we can still sort of think about the idea of the um sort of t- two-faced if we're gonna go for like yeah. the most negative sort of idea <laughs> of what gemini is um whereas i get i don't know like if we're like if the line is leo then it's like utana is like kind of has that sort of gregarious quality of the leo here um 
So it's weird that their like signs don't exactly match up, but we can still kind of I don't know read into it that way. We can read into whatever we want. We're <laughs> gonna do mm-hmm. that. <laughs> and the the last thing I want to say about the statues. So the lion statue, um, which I wanted to. This is the one time I'm gonna let myself bring up the one of the 2018 musical because I just <laughs> watched it the other night. And in the 2018 musical, there's a really great song where Uten and Nanami are like recounting the rumors about jury the song's called like, mm. the rumor jury it's very camp jury's like strutting around like with her sword it's really good um but um and she's in that song she's explicitly compared to like a big cat they call her i think a panther um oh. and there's all this like in that song there's all this like language about her being a predator and like mm-hmm. all this stuff um and again we will get to the wild animals at the zoo in a little bit um but i think the focus on the lion statue in this scene is interesting because I think that a lion is pretty close to how Jury wants the world to see her. Mm. Cause when you think of a lion, you think of like the apex predator, um, the animal everyone's afraid of. And I think, you know, as we see the beginning of the episode, like Jury dueling everyone and beating everyone, I think Jury like wants to be this like apex predator. Um, but in her, For she sure. uses her like ability to beat anyone to cover up this side of her. She doesn't want people to see. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what's the first thing you think of when you think of a lion? You think of an orange mane. And I feel like whenever Jury takes off her mask, we get to, like, she, like, makes a point to, like, shake her head and make sure everyone sees her mane. Um, Mm. I love that. My favorite cat girl, Jury. (laughs) (laughs) God. (laughs) Let's not, like, will that (laughs) into existence. It has to exist. Someone has drawn this. Oh, oh yeah, no. absolutely. If we have if you have drawn this, tweet it at us. Absolutely. Yes. Or draw it and then tweet it. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to put any labor on your fans, but if you <laughs> no. just happen in, in your heart to want to draw a jury as a cat girl, please do I'm, it. I'm not above commissioning someone to draw give me a jury cat girl. <laughs> cat girl jury. Uh, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Oh, but the, the meat of this conversation is they're like talking about this is where Jury was like, you know, you don't take your uniform off at night. Because um, Uten is, it's like middle of the night, Uten's not wearing a uniform. And this is where Uten like tells Jury about her prince. She's like, I wear this outfit because of the prince. Um, and so the conversation that they're having when like jury goes to, like joker mode is when is like jury learning that she got the rose ring crest from the prince and that she believes in her prince and is like waiting for him for, mm-hmm. you know hoping he will show up again one day and that is what kind of causes jury to turn on utina mm-hmm. yes. yeah um, so, she like, also, Utena acknowledges that she thinks that she and Anthi are linked together by fate, um, which is interesting because this is the first time that she is kind of like buying into something about like the Rosebride stuff, um, even though she like has like kind of denied it or refuted caring about it earlier. She she does seem to think that there's now a connection between her and Anthi that is more than just, oh, we ran into each other. <laughs> yeah, and it, which is interesting because Anthi is like, hardly in this episode at all i don't think mm-hmm. does she speak at any given at, when any, she I, like when she hands the flowers yeah, yeah. Uh, she does but i and think then she that. like says her line about the sort of dia or the power of dios or whatever and she's, her line she sings is. Yeah. the little song about the rabbits yeah, uh-huh. yeah or the duel, but we can get to that <laughs> but uh, yeah i don't think any of those are directed toward utina at all it's no. she talks to jury and she sings her song to herself basically 
Um, and then she does her little incantation, which is just, I guess, to everyone around. Um, yeah. which, so it's interesting that Utena's, like, big, like, this is kind of shift in their relationship is happening oh. in an episode where, the, like, they aren't really interacting that much, which is, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, like, it makes you think, is Utena, like, thinking this privately? Has she shared yeah. with this with Anthe at all? Um, Anthe does talk one other time, and it's a it's a big moment that we can talk about later oh, at okay. the very end of the oh movie. yeah 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 we'll get to that uh but first what do we think of this scene with the like, jury like leaning in with to like seemingly kiss utana i because i really don't know if i have a good read on like why she did that <laughs> yeah it's i mean i think in terms of the framing of the show it's interesting because she does kind of like lean in um and utana says like in the in the subtitles and presumably in the dub she just says jury's name but uh in in like the translation she says like senpai um you know and and, and it is kind of like this like thing that we would see in like a, a shoujo um anime where it's like you know the the older student who like suddenly like um makes a move and then the like younger person like is caught off guard, but like has this desire or whatever. So it's like an interesting setup that recalls a lot of other scenes like this and then like immediately subverts it and destroys it. Um, so I think just in terms of like why the episode is that way, that's my read. Why Jury does this in character, again, it's, it is much harder to parse yeah like i part of me is like is she kind of like curious like curious just how similar she and utana are like like uh, if i did this like what yeah. would be the response right um or i like another read is she's just fucking with utana i yeah. like to kind of like catch her off guard because she does this to try to grab her the, the rose crest and right. is she kind of trying to like play on like utana's like naivete and like by like doing this sort of like again like traditionally romantic thing that like mm -hmm. might cause her to like let down her guard mm -hmm. those are like my two thoughts but like we again the thing about the show is like so much is left unsaid about like why characters do certain things yeah and this is one of those moments i i can never quite make i can't read why she does it but it's interesting and gay yeah my my <laughs> other potential read which maybe this is like giving jury too much credit or like not being hard enough on her for kind of like being fucked up in this scene um like the moment that jury kind of like snaps and turns is when utana says something um and then she like gets mad at her and is kind of like you're doing this because of a guy you liked so there is something that it's like what if utana doesn't say something there like what if utana doesn't break that spell like is this a moment where jury like does have some like genuine moment of like what if and then like when Utena says something it like snaps her out of it and again like I don't know this might just me be wanting to be like gay let the gays have desire but like <laughs> I don't know yeah I think it can be all of the above honestly like I feel like obviously jury I don't know I don't think she would be mad at the idea of kissing Utena um but I yeah. think it is um, pretty explicitly manipulative here. At least that's what I've always thought. It feels very Toga almost. Mm. This is Toga's move too, is to like always go for like the way to manipulate someone is through like romance or um, to make them to like play on desire in some way. 
Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting that Jerry's sort of pulling from that playbook here to get what she wants for, like, essentially kind of the same thing Toga wants. He wants to get to that crest, too, to figure out, like, why Utena even has it, where she got it from. And Jerry, but Jerry's more, like, less interested in how it got there and more like, I just want to get it away from you in this moment. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think that's interesting here that, like, Jerry and Toga kind of had that in common here. And um, a lot of characters seem to have that in common where they think, the best way to manipulate someone is through romantic sort of gestures or moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my my other quick read is that also this is like the second time after the scene with Anthe earlier where um, Jury kind of like lashes out and gets violent when she's like intimately close to another girl. Um, so I also wonder if some of it is like in Jury's mind that was more composed and like the hidden face doesn't show and she does kind of like lean in seductively and then take the ring off in a calm manner. But then once she gets close to Utena, it's like she can't control herself. She can't like hide that um, mm. that violence anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very unfencing if we're thinking about mm-hmm. it. like fencing is all about like distance. And- yeah. Mm. Um, poise and the rules and the jury's all about those things too she loves rules and poise and all that stuff but but this the the wild animal in her it just like we said it comes out mm-hmm. yeah and like the language she's using with Utena, like she's like because she like it's like give me a ring and jury's like no i mean Utena's like no like i'm not going to give you my ring this is my one connection to my prince and sure she's like okay you show me a power of a miracle and i'll use my sword like with with her sword she will prove this like it's like this duel is something against Utena um, mm-hmm. and not for Anthe. Um, and I, my read on jury as a whole in this episode of like what specifically like about Utena believing in a prince, like makes jury so like mad is because I do think jury does what jury's seeing in Utena is the side of herself that still wants to believe in miracles and it, like her younger self. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's worth noting like Utena is in middle school, which is about the age when all this happened with jury yeah. Um, and she envies that like naive part of her, um, but she also wants to destroy that part of herself that still believes in miracles. Because if she didn't believe in miracles and she could let go of this girl, then she would crack the old world shell and she'd be free from the thing like holding her back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I I see this scene where she's like, I'll prove it to you with my sword, trying to like free like she thinks if she can beat Utena, it will like free herself yeah um from this belief in miracles and like so it's weirdly like trying to save this like girl who reminds her of herself but also Mm -hmm. like acting against her to save herself in the present yeah oh yeah layers upon layers yeah it's interesting that she uses she references her sword specifically given what happens later like it's Mm -hmm. the sword falling down from the sky that is the miracle yeah um so it's interesting that she like specifically draws attention to that. Like anything, like it could have been like any sort of object could have pierced the sword or like caused this like rose to fall in some way. But it's the Utena sword specifically that does yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Um, so should we get to the duel itself? Um, well, first we yeah. gotta get to the girls, oh. the shadow oh. girls. Well, first, first is yes. we get Anthe <laughs> doing the rabbits. Do, do we uh-huh. know what's? Do we have thoughts on that? <laughs> I think it's just kind of a lead up to the sh- the scene with the shadow play for me at least. Um, like I didn't have a lot of like thoughts or context while the scene was happening, but then the thing immediately after it, I was like, oh okay. Now okay, I yeah, have- let's let's yeah. go straight into the girls because this is a good sure. one. Well, so- I think my only other I guess note would be rabbits and uh, are associated with the moon. 
in Japan. Yeah. So maybe that's just sort of because that entire scene before this took place in Moonlight. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's something to sort of think about there. Right. I guess also like they're a prey animal and like Jerry has been set up as like a predator or mm-hmm. like a lion. And like now we're seeing on the like seeing about, yeah, like a, a prey animal that would be like food for a predator and was it two rabbits that she talks about yeah it's two rabbits and like her hands are like moving on the mm-hmm. table and they're moving in unison mm-hmm. i thought this was perhaps also getting in at this idea of the duality and the mm-hmm. like uten and jury's mirror images of each other um because it's two and they're moving in unison yeah. which would be the first time you hear jury referred to as prey rather than a predator mm-hmm. right interesting so shadow girls this one mm-hmm. so the the cliff notes for this one is that there's like a girl caught a cold and she can't go to the school trip to the zoo and she's like i don't want to go to the zoo all the animals are boring if they had like a panda i'd go but i don't care and i don't want to waste my time and then the other girl says you really wanted to go didn't you so implying that the girl was just saying that she didn't want to go to hide the fact that she really wanted to go mm-hmm. so audrey i know you seem like you had a lot of thoughts on this so i want to give you the floor I- I do. Okay, so my first thing is the way the shot that this opens up on, we don't see the girls immediately. Um, We just see this like line swinging back and forth that looks like either like a clock pendulum or a metronome. Um, And then we see them like pantomiming like animal, like, you know, when you like make animal shapes with your hands um, for like the the thing that kids do um, before we actually see them. Um, So we already have these like layers of like, you know, pe- people are speaking, and but their faces are concealed. Um, and then when it zooms out to them, we see that the thing that was ticking like a clock is a rope for a tire swing. So it's very interesting that, um, first of all, like, we, we have this thing that's, like, associated with, like, it, it seems like it's associated with, like, keeping time. Like, there's a regular rhythm. There's, like, a pause. It's very controlled. But it's actually, like, this thing that kids play on. Um and I think that's really interesting given the thing about like the zoo and like having to pretend you think the animals are boring um, where we're also getting this like very like this this kind of like subversion of expectation where it, it seems like something like more more like regular, more composed, but then it's actually like it's play. Um, Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting to me, given Jury. Um, also, the thing with her saying that people thought she was a wild animal um, and then having, like, caged animals um, be the thing that pops up. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, this idea of, like, you know, like, maybe if Jury is an animal, like, other people might see her as a wild animal, but, like, has she like caged herself in ways um and or is she the person who is like i want to like i want to be a wild animal but like i have to like go into this this space of the zoo um Mm. so those are kind of like my thoughts in a nebulous big way um i don't want to totally monopolize this conversation so no yeah i i like all that especially that i feel like this is kind of something that happens with the shadow play girls Mm. quite a bit so far is like they sort of draw attention to the immaturity of the characters yeah yeah um like especially like these older characters like jury um sayonji even miki like 
these characters who we see they are they are physically older than Uta mm. and they act older than Uta um and yet the shadow play girls are almost like mocking them mm-hmm. here like trying to just like remind them that they're kids too mm-hmm. and like the tire swing I think I like that idea of like because uh, this is such an immature thing to be mm-hmm. like, well, I didn't even want to go to the zoo in the first place. I didn't even yeah. want to win this game. Like, I, I always think of when I was a kid, uh, my dad like, got me an iPod for Christmas, but with that, he, um, and I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, and so, like, before, like, a few months before Christmas, I was like, oh, I don't even want an iPod. Who cares? They're <laughs> stupid, not knowing that he had uh-huh. already gotten one for me. And then, of course, <laughs> when I got one, I had to admit, like, uh-huh. I was just saying that I really, really wanted one. Um, and so, like, it's just, like, such a childish thing to do. Um, yeah. I've ever, I feel like you're talking about like is Jury a, like a wild animal or a caged animal and I'm really like I feel like Jury is the girl here in this moment yeah. she like, admires wild animals but she's really just a kid at the end of the day yeah this is okay so to maybe phrase what I was saying a little bit better earlier also I'm, I'm <clears throat> trying to think of how to like phrase this exactly right there's something very interesting so the girl the girl's friend says that her desire is to see these caged animals. Um, the girl is pretending to not want that. It's interesting if we see Jury as that girl that, like, the thing that she is genuinely excited for and feels like she has to hide is just seeing these caged animals. Um, and I think that that's, like, an interesting thing if you think about it in the context of, like, a queer character whose desire has to be limited within systems and hierarchy. Um, Because even if, in Jury's mind, even if she was able to speak or, um, like, be open about her love for this girl, it would still be within, like, the constraints of, like, a heteronormative society. it it wouldn't be this kind of like wild and free and liberatory queerness. That's not a thing that is even in her mind. Um, So even like her desires are kind of caged in, even like the desires that she hides are not like Mm. kind of unrestrained. They are like a very restrained desire that fits into a a system. Mm. Yeah, she doesn't want to be with the animals. She just wants to be able to observe them and look at them from a distance still. Yeah, and she can't even, she's not even allowed to do that. She can't even desire this yeah. uh, other person mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah, I did or not have journey. that many intelligent thoughts. I mean, I, I was did not, not thinking... think it, I did not go that deep, but that's, it's <laughs> like, my surface level reading of, of it, this has always been, like, without, again, I don't, th- I didn't think about it for more than five seconds. It's just, like, the jury is saying, I don't believe in miracles. I don't believe in miracles. Um but she really does want to believe in miracles. But mm-hmm. I had never considered, because I was really focusing on like the cat stuff earlier in the episode, but I didn't think to bring it back here when it's like, we're at the zoo. <laughs> like we're talking, we're talking <laughs> about wild animals. I, I, I just never made that connection. So I'm yeah. now very into it. I watched this thing like three times in a row because I was just like, holy shit, I'm, I'm thinking so much. <laughs> like, uh, Brain's so I big. I about this for so long but I'm not going to I've, I've said all the important things no that was awesome so then we go to the duel like itself mm-hmm. we get you know Uchna going up the stairs and then um you know auntie's there but again it's worth noting jury like does not care about 
auntie. Like, she mm-hmm. does not want to win auntie. This is all about her and Utena. Like, she never even, like, looks in auntie's direction until the very end of the duel. Um, so, again, this is all about Utena. And uh, I love this duel so much. I love the way she throws Utena around. It, like, it rules so hard. The animation, it looks so cool, the way she, like, pushes her. And, like, I love it towards the end where, like, Utena, like, falls into her arm and she, like, throws her down. Um, I, I just love the way this is, like, choreographed and that, like, shot of, like, the blackout, their blackout lines on, like, the white background. Um, yeah, this is my favorite, one of my favorite duels in the show. Really good shit. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, like you said, yeah, like, Auntie is just, like, we get shots of her, like, just very stoically looking on, like, literally in the middle of the frame, like, very tiny in that frame, too. She's, like, not even taking up the full screen at all. Um, which is so unlike Miki's duel, where literally Miki loses the duel because of Anthe. Um, mm-hmm. Sayoji's duel, where we get that big moment at the end where she calls him senpai. Um, and so, yeah, this is immediately is telling us something very different is going on. And also the physicality of it is so different from mm-hmm. before, which is funny, given that, like we said, Jury is all about fencing. She's all about playing by the rules. But here she is like... This is definitely some yellow flag shit going on here. You can't just <laughs> grab someone. We haven't seen that happen before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also interesting to note that she doesn't, like, ever just, like, reach out and rip the rose off. She, even yeah. though she's, like, tossing Utena around, she definitely could have at any point just, like, ripped it off in some other way. She still feels the need to play by the rules to that extent, that it has to mm-hmm. be the sword that takes off the rose. Because, I mean, <laughs> that is what she promised Utena before. I'm going to prove it to you with my sword. Yep. Um, yeah, I love. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and this um, is the duel where, for me, like the, the it should always like where you realize that like Utena is not that good at like she's not like winning these duels because she's good at them. Like no. jury, like <laughs> it, the jury should have won this duel. Like yeah, she's like toying with her almost like a like you know like an animal that's like playing with like she's just kind of like batting Utena around and Utena like. And like parry here and there, but like you definitely get the sense that if Jury could have like ended this at any moment for sure. Right. And, and I mean, yeah. You go ahead, Derek. Uh, I was just gonna say Miki was very similar. I feel like maybe mm. not to this exact extent, but it also like the implication is like Miki would have won that duel too if it weren't for Athi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the Miki one's interesting because I feel like his his toying with her feels more like self-doubt or like um like he's conflicted about even doing this duel and is like conflicted about wanting to fight his friend but with jury there's almost something that she's like relishing in this um like it seems like she like is a very confident like fighter who like enjoys fighting um and in enjoys the act of this and like enjoys getting to like unleash herself a little bit and like be more physical and not the restrained fencing like so we get the sense that or at least I got the sense that it's like she's she's playing around with Utena because she usually doesn't get a chance to like play around with people when she fights them usually Mm -hmm. she has to like you know get the touches and like hold back and like do everything in the proper way um but here it's like she's like showing how she wants to fight um and how she fights when she's like passionate about the fight and this is like 
again, Mickey won because he, well, Mickey lost because he, like, was distracted by Anthe. And, like, mm-hmm. it didn't need, like, the prince to come down from the sky or anything yeah. to beat Mickey. But she does, I think people just refer to it, like, her prince power. <laughs> like, we don't really know what this is called. But, like, she does, like, use her prince power. Like, the prince comes down and goes uh-huh. seemingly, like, flashes onto her body. And she uses that against Jury. And Jury's still able to get the upper hand. So, like, yep. like this is, it's, like, we haven't seen this happen before. We, like, you know, use that against Sayonji and, like, KO'd him. And then, you know, she didn't need to use it with Mickey because, like, it never got to that point. But, like, Uchina used all she, her, like, last-ditch thing. And she uh-huh. still, like, Jerry was still able to push her off. And, um, mm-hmm. but then a miracle happens. I think I said, like, oh, shit out loud. Because, <laughs> like, the line is, like, Jerry says, isn't your miracle going to happen, Prince? Which is interesting because it's, like, the capital P Prince. So it's, like, is she addressing Utena? Is she, like, asking the manifestation of the Prince if he's going to come down and intervene in this duel? Like, who is she talking to? She So she asks about this miracle. Then we see Utena, like, the Prince comes on and this power happens. And we're, like, oh, okay, yeah, here's the fucking miracle. Like, watch out, Jerry. And she just, like, doesn't care. She just, like, effortlessly stops it. So it's, like, I don't know. I, I was definitely, like, got, like, hype at that moment. I was, like, yo! Yeah. The prince. She literally invited God to attack her, and she attacked and dethroned him. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, I, I've watched this show before, so I know that Jury loses the duel. But in that moment, I was, like, how did she lose this duel? Like, what is going to happen? She should have won. Yeah. Like, Rigged. I was... <laughs> God. Stop the count. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that the sword, like, the miracle that happens. The sword literally comes down from the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that they don't ever really um, draw attention to the castle in the sky in this moment. Yeah. But it almost like, feels like... Uh, that's like maybe like because that's where the prince comes from presumably yeah. so it's interesting that after she was mocking the prince and presumably like beat him somehow i mean it's either physics that happens or the prince himself just like drops the sword right down on the rose um so i like i like that that's exactly what happens and christine you talked about it before um that like really gorgeous moment of them just being silhouetted as you just see the sword come down it's almost like reminiscent of like tarot imagery of like mm. the like the swords, the suit of swords, um, that sort of idea, the sort of like iconic imagery going on here. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I feel like though we haven't really talked about the song at all, which is yes, very unlikely. Yes, we haven't. I have <laughs> notes. I was waiting till we okay. got a little further. I was so, like, surely Christine has something to say about this. Yeah, I actually once again uh, did a lot of googling for this one. Um, yeah, the big themes of this dual song are light and darkness. I just said gender because it's references to androgyny um, Mm -hmm. and um, just duality in general. Lots of references to Greek mythology again, this time to like the primordial deities. So like the the first generation of Greek gods and goddesses in Nyx, Erebus, Uranus, who is a titan, and uh, Thanatos, who is one of Nyx's children. Yeah. Um. So, little Audrey, I don't know if you have comments on that because I know that I know that you have know more about Greek mythology than me. <laughs> um. Yeah. The other one, which this is the one that's actually um referenced twice, is um Gaius. It's a hundred hander, right? Yeah. The also known as the Hedaton Kyers. I I don't know the pronunciation of these words perfectly. Sorry to any ancient Greek 
uh, people who are listening <laughs> to this podcast. Um, or the um, shit. What's the other name for them? That's pretty common. Um, the Sintamain. Um, they they were they were like giants who helped um, Zeus and um, and Poseidon and Hades overthrow their father Saturn. Um, and also we get references to Lucifer and Michael earlier. So we have like these two um, like divine revolutions, both like in the Christian mythology with Lucifer trying to overthrow God. And then in Greek mythology, we have like the references to the gods who succeeded in a revolution. So it is very interesting to like have, again, that dualism, but in a contradictory way where like in in one way it is like revolution is possible. And then in the other way, it's like God is absolute and revolution is impossible. Um, Especially since Jury is like ostensibly the Lucifer or because she's the uh-huh. one directly challenging quote unquote God. Yes. Like the prince is God here. She does not get to uh, uh, do what those characters did, which is like turn. Um, yeah. So that's interesting. And like, yeah, they use light a lot in this life. I think yeah. that's like just the repeated phrase over and over again. Um, which is interesting, like we said, given um, the the idea of water, reflections, um, the moonlight that we saw before. Um, it's interesting that jury of all the characters is kind of getting these references to light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the, my favorite line in this, just like as a line of like, you know, like like poetry or like lyrics is the certainty of death, namely light, um, mm-hmm. like light is the thing that is certain of death like so we have like water reflection has been associated with this also like um obviously lucifer is the light bringer um so light is like kind of like interestingly pulled apart here um and means different things a different part in the song like at some points light seems to reference like heaven's light and at other points light represents this like emptiness of death um or like fighting against heaven so it's Mm. it's very interesting there's a lot of like destabilization that's happening in this song where like we get an image and then immediately it's contradicted or um like the song talks about like the universe of the mind and like the possibility and like we get all this stuff about like androgyny but then the ending of the song is just i'm hollow inside repeated four times Mm. so it's like if the mind is an infinite universe that can contain all these contradictions, but also it doesn't mean anything at the end, it's just hollow nothingness. And like you, you have these images and mythological symbols, but like, what do they add up to? And it kind of seems like for jury, like nothing. Right. I mean, it's kind of like the idea of a statue. It's like, it's a representation Mm. of an, but at the end of the day, it's just rock. Basically. Yeah. Mm. That's a great way to put it. Y'all are so smart. I'm like, I'm like, I thought my brain couldn't get any bigger about this episode. I've like read so much like writing about this episode in particular. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I, I just love, I love doing this podcast. It's so cool. I'm <laughs> so happy I'm here. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, so fun. Um, so jury, the first thing jury says when like the um rose, her rose is pierced by the sword of Dios falling from the sky is that was just an accident. Um, but like, what is like, what is the difference between a miracle and an accident? I don't know. It's 
Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, her first her first reaction is to deny it instantly, mm-hmm. like you yeah. said. But like, yeah, like, <laughs> what is a miracle if not an accident? Honestly, well, it's also good because I know um, in the the like Otome game that's based off this, you sent an image. Christine sent an image <laughs> to us of jury gaming, um, and this is just classic gamer move of being like, no, nah, it was it, I it, it was like lag. It was a glitch. Like I, I was gonna get that headshot. You only beat me because of like my 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 ping was bad. That's that's jury right here. She's like one second away from rage quitting. Yes. Having a heated gamer moment. Absolutely, jury is the enemy of the gamer. Um, what what kind of games do we think jury plays? She plays fighting games. She plays like fucking. God, th- this is maybe a reference only for me, but. She she's definitely like into like very complicated anime fighting games like Guilty Gear Strive or um I was gonna uh, say like Melty Blood, something like Yeah, super Melty Blood. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That is exactly what she plays. Yep. <laughs> I'll trust you too. Hyper <laughs> moment for both of us, as we should. Um and then Anthe offers the flower again, the rose again, but this time she says, May they know your true feelings one day. So it seems the Anthe knows or she's perceived something about jury. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's, again, it doesn't seem like Utena has figured out, like, I don't think Utena picked up on anything going on in, with jury in this episode. But, like, Anthe seems to know that this was about someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But absolutely. jury doesn't yeah. slap her this time. But she doesn't take it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think, like, she has a conversation where she seems to, like, express more belief in Anthe's power. Um, with Toga, so it it yeah, like she has this duel, and it like it's almost like she's like like looking at Anthe more for the first time, or like hearing Anthe more, and not just like she's kind of been like something in the background or like something that Jury will lash out at, but like now she is more like either from that line or from the duel, she she does seem to be like um more more like like able to recognize Anthe and who Anthe is and like what Anthe could represent to her um yeah right because like like we said before she's like is very different from Miki or Sayonji um yeah. or even Utena like she it's never about Anthe until yeah. maybe that moment and suddenly maybe it could be about Anthe um yeah. and uh, yeah, it's just I I love how different this whole such like episode feels. Even though it's like the same structure as things mm-hmm. we've seen before, you still get a duel, you still get like all this action or like this conversation leading up to a duel. But like the structure is the same, but like the players within it are very very different, which is the strength of the show. Um, and I'm excited to see where this goes now. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we we. We have like it's we see uh, Jury and Toga again. We've seen that he kind of like knows something that's like he knows what's going on in Jury's head to an extent. And um, you know, she says she wants she's kind of now interested in taking the power to revolutionize the world with her own. She wants to take it from Utena with her own hands. Yeah. Um, before I was saying proving something with her sword. Now wanting to take something with her hands. Um, and. Well, this is where we get the reveal when she opens the locket and she's like, yes, I hate you, but because I can't make you realize how I feel. And I think it's really important that jury doesn't say because I can't tell you how I feel. It's I can't make you realize how I feel. Yeah. Um, like 
for Jerry, the miracle would be like the girl just realizing and yeah. she doesn't have to tell her. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing is that the locket, the picture, um, is from the school, from like a school picture of like all the students together. Um, and also the girl is not even facing the camera. She's turned away. So like usually like what we'd associate for like a locket is like, oh, someone gave this to me and it's like a, a picture of them, like, but here it's just like, she has taken an image of the profile of a public representation of this girl. Um, there's like so many layers of distance here. Like uh, it, it, it's like the closest she can get safely to this girl, the closest she can like possess this girl is like so many layers removed from the real person. Yeah, and yeah. years removed, like, you know, uh -huh. yeah. the time yeah. as well. And yeah. they are physically so distant in that photo too. That's not even a photo of just them together or whatever. It's yeah. literally, a, like you said, a full class photo. And it's just the same photo also where Jury blinked during it, apparently, because her eyes are closed uh, uh -huh. in that photo. Um, so it's just, yeah. Like we said, the, the word Christine was using was pathetic. <laughs> it is very sad and pathetic that she's literally has to like exact a knife out the, an image of this girl without yeah. the girl's knowledge and make a lock, find a locket, put it in there and never open it in front of anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Our poor girl, yeah. which I beat. Uh, oh, that was something else I noted. I I can't remember if it's someone uses the phrase poor girl at one point in this episode. And it's like we see an image of jury. So it's like even the show is like telling us like very explicitly that we need we should feel bad for her in this moment. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. It, and it's interesting because I feel like, again, like this is I've seen similar things again in like um like you said, it's like less common maybe now, but like I feel like this like image of like hidden distant desire that can never like be publicly made known. Like it, it again is such like a, a story of queer characters in media. And in a lot of those stories, that's the only queer character we get. Um, so ending on this shot where she confesses to the audience um, in a pretty explicit way what her feelings are. I think already one like sets thing like sets it a little more explicit than usually the story goes. Um, but it's definitely something that I think about in this show of like jury being constrained by this older narrative. Um, and that's kind of like our ending shot here. Mm. I would this is like made me think of. Um, so for the dub for this this episode, there's a funny story about this. It's this jury's character in the dub um it's there's a video on youtube of like crispin freeman who did the voice for toga for the english dub mm. it's him telling this story at a convention that apparently like everyone in the room for the dub like didn't get that jury is gay um <laughs> and it was like after they did this episode like he overheard like i don't know someone who was working oh. on the show like a writer or like or like a not a writer but like a director or producer being like um, yeah, I just don't get why, like, Jerry, like, has this pic girl's picture in her locket, and oh, he had no. to, ex Toga's voice actor had to explain oh, no. to them that she she was gay. <laughs> so this, oh. I think it's interesting that, like, and th the dub's not all bad, it's it's pretty bad, yeah. but, like, there are yeah. some good performances in it, and I'm sure, <laughs> you know, I do know it gets better as it goes along, but, like, it's worth noting that, like, it, this was, like, explicit enough, but also, like, still kind of, like, uh -huh. unexpected enough that, people like the people involved with the dub were missing it 
Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, it, it is very hard for me to like put myself in the mind of a viewer who is not a queer person who is trying to read into every bit of queerness in every social media and sometimes <laughs> on purpose invent it. Um, so, yeah, yeah that's, someone, that's really interesting. It is, yeah. As someone who regularly forgets that people are straight, um, uh-huh. yeah, it's it's very fun. But I mean, yeah, we have to remember this is the 90s. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, it's and like, I don't know, even though this was like kind of like a trope, it still is not like a yeah. very common sort of thing yeah. that you saw in everything. So it's it's fair that maybe if you're just like s- some guy <laughs> who loves yeah. anime, maybe you would not catch on onto that. Yeah, they they love to do that. There's a lot of guy. I don't know. There There's like so many gay anime that I have like just looked up a forum for and people are like, well, it's just about the power of friendship. And it, like, <laughs> yeah, we yeah, we talked about that in our preview pod. Like that's I think this that's um something I feel like I knew about Utena before I even watched it was like this idea that people really hated the idea of or like not hated, but we're just like so in denial about yeah. the idea of gay love in this show to yeah. the point that I've seen so many like just like compilation images on Tumblr, just like everyone, like all the like I, I'm pretty sure someone made like a, a shirt made entirely of collage of like comments from forums of like <laughs> they are not gay. No one in the oh. show is gay. <laughs> My God. Pride 2021 vibes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh so do we have any like wrap up thoughts on this episode other than we love it and jury's the best and <laughs> it rolls? Um, that, you've summed up my thoughts perfectly. Yeah, I mean, we are far, this is far and away the longest episode that we've recorded <laughs> just looking at the time right now. As it should be. <laughs> honestly, yeah. like, um, and it just, it, honestly, it deserves, I mean, I would not say we've had a single week episode at all of the show so far in this, I think, but mm-hmm. I, so that should say a lot that this episode is really fantastic mm-hmm. um, and is a sign of further great things to come, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, I talk a lot. Thank you for letting me just like monologue at y'all at several times. No, oh, I love it. That's, just... that's how Derek and I do this. <laughs> I like to have like a paragraph written out and I'm like, let's go, let's go. Um, <laughs> no, this is, it's been so great. Um yeah, thank you so much for doing this with us. Like, yes. this was, was so fun. I've been looking forward to this, like, for the past mm-hmm. two weeks. So, um, uh, Audrey, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, um, so I am at Audrey Otherway um, on Twitter. Um, you can find me saying a lot of stupid shit about anime on there a lot of the time. Um, I, same handle for Instagram, which I don't use as much. Um, these days but um, yeah you can find me there Um, again Christine said this at the top but um, the main bands I play in are um, Speedy Ortiz um, and with uh, Mal Blum Um, I I play with other people sometimes but yeah if you want to check out any music that I've been a part of those are good ones Um, (laughs) that that's pretty much it I don't know Um, yeah yeah. Audrey, I'm going to need you to help me convince Christine to watch all of Gundam at some point. Oh, so. yeah. I'm wearing <laughs> a Gundam shirt right now. I don't, I don't yes. know if you can see this. But... I should have worn my, uh, the official H&M Gundam uh, collection. I should have worn my Zaku one that uh, I have over my closet. I, I, I will remember to do that next time. I think I have like three or four Gundam shirts at this point. <laughs> it's extremely cool. But yeah, I, I uh, 
but I can't start talking about Gundam. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I have a lot of people breathing down my neck to watch Gundam, so soon. So good. <laughs> it will happen, yes. Yes. Uh, and you can find me um, at xteen underscore files on Twitter. Um, and if you like the reality television program Survivor, you can read my writing about it on insightsurvivor.com. Just look up my name, Christine Palin. Um, and again, if you ever want to play a Survivor game on Discord, my c- series is casting for season five. Uh, it'll start like, I should have checked. I can't remember if it's July 30th or 31st. One of those days, that's when it starts. Um, and apps will still be open when this episode comes out. So look at my Twitter and you'll see the link. It's really fun. Mm. Yes. Um, and you can find me at Rain Dierks on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at Bitterger's Pod. Uh, if you like, once again, if you love Survivor, um, but also if you love Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, which is what we are currently talking about. Um, yeah, you can listen to me and my friend Sam talk about Korra right now. And then in what, like six, seven weeks, we'll be talking about Survivor again. June. So I think this, epi- I don't know when this episode is coming out, but it's, it's September 22nd. So we'll, this will come out right around the like two months until um, Survivor countdown. So yes. Jeff has a mullet. Um, we're probably going to be mad at him soon. Um, and I really hope that uh, Derek lets me come on to talk about Survivor again. Oh, <laughs> baby. It's all. <laughs> Please read baby in my toga voice. Baby. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so next episode, we'll be discussing um, episode eight, Curried High Trip. Again, that was supposed to air as episode six, but they got switched around. Um, so yeah, curried hide trip, and that's going to be another fun one. I really like the next one. It's very funny. Mm, yeah, I love that we're getting this, like, super dense jury episode between two Nanabi episodes. It just feels <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again, Audrey, so, so much for joining us. Hopefully for not for yeah. the last time. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, thank you all for listening so much, as always. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>